Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, you poor, unfortunate souls, to this episode, this most recent episode of Man, Buns, and Jesus. I am your host, Pastor Josh Laborious. I'm a pastor out in South California in, uh, in Eastvale and, I guess, surrounding areas. And my co-host joining me today is uh, Pastor, the, the esteemed, esteemed Reverend Benjamin Olschlager from um, Good Shepherd? No. Yeah, that was Good right. Shepherd. Yeah. Good Shepherd in Lake Orion, Michigan. I can't tell you where it is. I'm sure he'll do the stupid hand mitten thing, but um, that's where he is. He's in Michigan, in the land of ice, snow, and Canadians. We are actually. What are we talking about today, Ben? We are actually north of Canada. Um, <laughs> no joke. Look it up. First country south of Detroit. I probably Canada. won't. Um, so. Josh and I both recently just got back from our various uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod district conventions, which are um, somewhere between a, a time of getting together to consider the work of the church and a hellish nightmare of bureaucracy. Um, <laughs> find Robert's your, rules. Find your happy worse. medium. Um, I actually quite like Robert's rules, which means that people can just run amok of proceedings. Um, I guess that's, that's fair. That's the story. I really like the two, we, we had a floor rule that said your mic got cut off after two minutes. We had the same rule. There was a timer on the, on the wall. It was great. That's a anyway, good rule. That's a real good rule. Yes. We should institute it for uh, any in any important meeting, um, including, never mind. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things that came up at, at my district convention um, was the ruling that the Supreme Court made recently on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, it had happened, I think, three days prior to uh, when it got discussed at convention. Uh, and a resolution was passed by the convention uh, that said, I'm paraphrasing here, so I apologize for anyone that's listening to this that knows the language off the top of my head, off the top of your head, and, and I'm not doing it justice. But um, that as Christians, we should uh, celebrate in humility and do the best we can to care for those uh, who find themselves in need um, due to the ramifications of this particular ruling. Um, and I thought that was a very well-worded, um, very well-worded resolution. Uh, I think the idea of, of celebrating that humility was great. And then a few hours later, a speaker got up from Lutherans for Life in Michigan, um, and had a rousing speech about how it was one of the best days of his life watching Roe v. Wade be overturned uh, to thunderous applause from the convention. 
And in my head, I was feeling conflicted. And I want to know if I'm alone in this, Josh, or what I'm supposed to do with this. Because there are a lot of angry people in the world right now because of this decision. Just now? Just now? Well, that's a, that's I mean, a new thing. They were already angry, but now they have a reason to be like openly and vocally angry. Um, but I think it's worth us considering, you know, what is the witness of our response to this? And how do we respond to this as faithfully as possible? Um, so that's where I'm coming from. Josh, just gut reaction hearing that. Um, Where's your head at? First of all, I did try and find that exact resolution. Your workbook turns out is a lot longer than ours. Um, yeah, line by line budget in there. That seems, it was, anyway. It wasn't even in the workbook. It got added last minute, so. Um, my very first reaction is the we, we did not have anything in our convention. Our convention was a week before, so the, the ruling officially came down on the second day of our convention. So like it was mentioned in passing, like I think there was a prayer of Thanksgiving or something, but it was not a serious topic of discussion um, or anything. My my gut reaction to the, the gentleman who spoke at your convention is, um, I really, I mean, that's hyperbole, saying it's the best day of your life. It, that that is that's or at least i really hope it's hyperbole like if you're asking me best days of my life right um baptism very high up there on the list right uh confirmations pretty high on the list not not as high as baptism but like confirmation was a good day uh various graduations my ordination my marriage like these these are in the running for the best day of my life right and I don't really have any political hobby horses, right? There, there's no issue that I really follow closely or I lobby for. There's, there's never been anything I feel so strongly that I actually write my, my congressional representative about. Um, because honestly, I feel like laws do a lot less than we like to pretend they do, right? People are going to do things whether or not they're legal. Um, you're, you're largely just defining consequences of that. So like, for me, when I hear someone say that, I'm like, you have either put this issue on a much higher pedestal than it should be, or um, you're, you're exaggerating to play to an audience, neither of which are really great. Um, and as far as you know how do we how do we feel about this i i think it first i and and this is for those of you who are listening from my congregation some of this language might sound familiar because when um when i come back from the national youth gathering my sermon is going to kind of start with this idea i think we we as people we as a society we love to make things bigger than they are we love to make mountains out of molehills. Um, and 
I think this is an instance of that because we're all, I, I want to be clear for most states, abortion is, is not suddenly illegal, right? All that Roe v. Wade overturning accomplished was that states now have the right to make it illegal, or I shouldn't say right. They, they have the, like the legal ability to do so. So there are some states that, you know, abortion um, very quickly, if not immediately became illegal, or at least illegal after a certain amount of time. I live in California. If anything, it has become easier and more, more um, accessible to a lot of people here. In fact, there are talks, I, I don't know if this has passed, um, to subsidize people who travel from other states for abortions in California. Um, so all of that to say, like, I, I don't think it's inappropriate to celebrate Roe v. Wade, but I think you're like, it's not, it's not that big. It's big, but it's not like the, the world has not changed that dramatically. Okay. Um, and in reality, I think the legal battle is not the battle we should be fighting for this thing. With, as with most moral issues, I don't think as Christians, our first concern should be whether it's legal or not legal. Our first concern would be, should be, is it right and is it faithful or is it wrong and is it unfaithful? And I don't, our, our best way to, to promote morality, to promote, to promote ethical living, to promote faithful living, I don't think is litigating it, right? I think it is impacting the people in your life, the relationships in your life is, you know, pastors teaching faithful things, um, Christians modeling faithful things. And in this particular issue, it's churches stepping into spaces, um, so abortion doesn't even really become a question, right? So all of that to say, my gut reaction is, I don't think it's wrong to celebrate this, but I think that should be moderated with kind of the reality of what it is and the fact that the legal battle, I don't think is, should be of our first concern, right? That's kind of where I'm at with it. I think I'm that's satisfactory there. to you, Ben. Oh yeah, I. We might be too much of an echo chamber, Josh. Uh, Dangerous. Yeah, it is. Um, I think. I mean, hearing you say that from your perspective, I echo a lot of those sentiments. Um, and I think two things that I, I really like draw from your thoughts that I think were important to key in on are where one, this is not a cure all for like the issue of abortion and two, if you're celebrating this as the like ultimate goal of some plan that you've been on you're probably very far removed from the issue itself yes there's there's an element of that and also 
just from the way that I view this particular discussion, there have been so many bur bridges burned in order for this particular decision to come down through the courts. That it almost doesn't feel worth it. Well, here's here if 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 someone were to ask me, Josh, what what should Christianity's grand strategy regarding abortion be? I would say we need to do such a good job discipling people that it doesn't matter if it's legal or not anywhere that services abortions and relies on that for any sort of funding is going to go out of business. Right. Um, in general, I'm a believer of like, there's this whole idea of like corporations push a certain agenda or whatever, and corporations, um, they're trying to influence society. And I disagree with that. Fundamentally, corporations are out to businesses are out to make money. So I think they reflect society. I don't think they shape society. And in this instance, I think the fact that there's so much of a call for this, I think that says something about society. And I think that's what we need to deal with. Um, and I think part of that, I, I want to speak to, I don't know how many are listening, but if you're listening, and, and this is the camp you fall in, first of all, thank you for sticking with us because you disagree with us, uh, at least on, on some levels. But if you're in the camp that is lamenting this as a, a loss for, um, for women's rights or a loss for protections around women, um, I want to acknowledge some of the thoughts that that I've seen that I've heard. The first is is this idea of like, what if someone is assaulted or raped and they and we're now forcing them to carry a child of this person who assaulted them? Um, and I want to acknowledge that's an incredibly difficult situation, but I want to remind everybody that two wrongs don't make a right. Right, that that first instance, incredibly, incredibly wrong. But you, that's not the appropriate way to respond. Um, and then the other, this I like. I, I honestly, I think the deeper problem, the problem we have to deal with, is this the the sexual freedom that we quote unquote feel in America, like, <laughs> stop sleeping with everybody. Abortion's not an issue you have to deal with if you're not banging everybody you meet, okay? It's That's, like... That goes for guys and gals. Yes. No, guys keep it in your pants. Yes. Gals. This whole thing, like... like they can keep it in his pants. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw some, like some response and they were like we should just go on a sex strike and i'm like that's great let's do that everybody just <laughs> it's like no i i think i think the abortion and the desire for abortions i think it's a symptom more than it is i mean yes it's yes it's it's murder yes it's wrong but i think 
that if we were to address some of these underlying issues, I, I think a lot of the other, like if, if we were less free with sex, if we treated it more seriously, more reverently than we do, I genuinely believe you would have less issue with assault and with rape. Because, and here, here's my logic on this, because if, if sex is something that everyone does, then it's, then it's only a couple steps out of line to get to assault or rape, right? Because you're, you're missing the consent, but the sex itself isn't necessarily the thing that's wrong. But if you live in a society and a culture where having the sex outside of marriage is taboo by itself, to go even further and there be assault or there be rape like that's you you're transgressing a an inordinate number of social boundaries that yes there are still people who are going to do it but you're going to reduce it like all the the rape culture you deal with on college campuses i genuinely believe if if we rein in this idea that sex doesn't matter i think a lot of that disappears um so I think like if we're asking, you know, what should we be doing in response? Don't go out and celebrate, like start teaching the good stuff, make it a non-issue. But that's, you know, that's me and nobody asked me, I guess. Well, I guess you did. So that's on you. Yeah. Ben. So, I mean, like, it seems like for you, the, the big underlying piece here is, um, Christians have solved one moral issue by creating another moral issue. We've, we've solved the moral issue of abortion or attempted to solve the moral issue of abortion. We haven't solved the moral issue of abortion. We've attempted to solve the moral issue of abortion by further growing the, the game that is like the political system of our, our country and then manipulating that to our end and not caring about the underlying like moral and ethical issues that we have just neglected that have led to the original issue in the first place. In that direction, but I, like, I wouldn't say we've, we've solved quote unquote, one moral issue and create another one. I say I would say we've we've dealt with one moral issue and ignored or failed to deal with another one. And has it played into some other issues on how we deal with things societally? Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to say we've created another moral problem. I don't think we have more issues today than we did when, you know, two days before Roe v. Wade fell. I don't think we have more moral issues than we did. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you there. I'm, I'm backing up further. Like, this is a history lesson here, Josh. You, a history lesson. Hold, hold on to your fanny packs. It's going to get good. I almost bought a fanny pack the other day, but then I said, no, I'd have to, I'd have to beat myself up for that. <laughs> anyway, so like, as I'm looking at this issue in, in, a, in a broader scope, I'm thinking about like 
the the polarization and the fighting that have been caused by the desire to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I especially think to, and I'm gonna get into politics here. So hopefully this doesn't get us flagged by anyone important. Uh, I'm gonna precursor this by apologizing to my circuit visitor. Uh, Matt, I'm sorry if I get you in hot water. Jeez, what are you about to say? (laughs) Do I need to log off? (laughs) No. So I'm thinking back to when uh, Senate Republicans held off on allowing Obama to nominate Merrick Garland for the Supreme Court, right? They said, we got three months left in in, uh, Obama's term. We're going to wait for the new president to nominate a new Supreme Court justice. And um, they did. But then when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away a month before the election in 2020. I thought it was Scalise who passed away right before. I thought he was the one who no, so Scalia was the first of the three judges that got replaced by Trump. Trump got to nominate three uh, new Supreme Court justices. The first one was to replace Scalia, who passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. The second one, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was uh, Kennedy, maybe, that stepped down during Trump's presidency. Uh, and then the third one was when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, like a month before the election. and where the Republicans had said four years earlier, there's three months left in his term before the election, or three months before the election. I think it wasn't even three months in his term, three months before the election. We're not gonna let a new, this president nominated new candidate for the Supreme Court. Um, with one month to go before the election, Republicans just saw an opportunity and went for it. And all of it was, at least on some level, to get a pro-life candidate on the Supreme Court. That's duplicitous as heck. And it's that kind of thing that, like, yes, this got done. And I'm happy that Roe v. Wade got overturned. But the way it got done just feels like the people of God walking out the doors of the church and flipping the bird to their neighbors. And that's what bothers me. And it also feels like we're not prepared to deal with what might come as a result of this. My and this is something I will say to you, and I will say to members of of my congregation who are very up at arms either way, um, either you know, regardless. Um, I I think I would almost be willing to say I know that there is an idolization of. Washington, D.C. And that is across the board. 
Republicans, Democrats, independents. Honestly, I think everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, I think a lot of people care way too much what goes on in Washington, D.C. Okay? Stop looking at the federal government to, to, to decide what your, your ethics are. Right. I would say, you know, with with this issue, with every other issue. If you're if you're looking to affect change, if you're looking to and now I'm speaking to Christians, if you're looking to promote Christian ethics, don't send a lobbyist to Washington, go and have dinner with your neighbor. Right. Um, and and if, if you're curious, if you're if. You're listening to this and you're curious where I'm coming from. I will send you all the papers I've written, all but one of the papers I've written for my doctoral work. Okay, because research and research and research and book and book and book, they all come to this conclusion where what is the most effective way to promote character? What is the most effective way to build ethics? It is through relationships. It's through your group identity. It's through who you are with all the time. So if you're if you're sitting here asking, you know, what what do I do? I don't care. I mean, you can write a letter to your congressman, but I don't care. You can watch the news. I don't care. But if you're if you're genuinely saying I want to advance the 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 Christian ethic, the Christian moral stance on things, you model it. You show it in your life. You show it to your kids. You show it to your neighbors. And you you have conversations about it. You talk about these things. You be willing to speak the truth in love. And we we've done a few podcasts about that. The, both truth and love are important elements of that. But like, th- this is something that gets really frustrating to me when people are like, we need to do this on a, on a national scale, or we need to get this in the courts, or we need to get, it's like, no. Our focus needs to be on the people we actually impact, on our friends, on our family. And that that is my frustration with all of it. Because yeah, Roe v. Wade is a victory for, for pro-life. Yeah, the way we got there feels greasy at best. Um, but what I'm saying is, is it doesn't matter that much. Okay, the, the effects of, of things that happen in D.C. I think are overblown for a lot of people. And, and I think we need... As Christians, we have to draw our focus to the communities we've been called to. And you you haven't been called to change the United States. You haven't been called to change the world. You've been called into the relationships you're in. You've been called into the community that you're in. You've been called to be impactful there. That's how God has done in the Old Testament. That's how God did things with, with the with if you look at all the festivals and stuff in, in the Jewish faith, they all come with these instructions. You celebrate this to remind future generations what our story is and to model how we live. And the New Testament, Jesus didn't go and, and, and have conversations in the Roman Senate. He didn't go and try and have an audience with Caesar. He talked to people. And he ate with people. And he was in relationship with people. And, and that's how he did ministry. So we look at how God did, did ethics and morality and, and community building in the Old Testament, how Jesus 
the Son of God did it in the New Testament, and our example is not grandstanding in the nation's capital. Our example is relationships with the people around us that have a profound impact, and it spirals out from there, right? Because say here, I impact 10 people, and, and to try and get us back on topic, I'll use the, the, um, the issue of abortion, the issue of Roe v. Wade. I impact 10 people around me, and I, because of the way I live, because of the way I talk, because of the way I witness about this, they come to the genuine belief that abortion is wrong, and they come to the genuine belief that sex should be taken much more seriously than our society takes it. And then they go on, and each of them, say they don't impact 10 people, say each of them only impact five people, right? That is 60 total, I think I'm doing my math right, 60 total people who have been profoundly impacted and because my 10 and then each of those 10 had another five. So that's fit, they've impacted 50, I impacted yeah, 10. Yeah, if you're good. So that's 60 people, okay? Six, and that keeps- one if you count yourself. That's true. So that keeps, that, that multiplies out through the connections that we have. Um, and, and I mean, that's my, that's my soapbox, I guess, but like, that's that's my biggest issue with this and any other issue where we look at it on like a national scale. It's like, stop staring at DC for your morals, for your ethics, for, for your impact on the world. Look at the circles you run in. Now I'm not saying don't be, like you should still vote. Yes, if there's something you feel really strongly about, go ahead and write your congressman. I have a hard time believing they actually read those letters, much less take them seriously. Can confirm um, the down. So, like, go for it, but never at the expense of the community around you. And to circle back to Ben's point, when it comes to Roe v. Wade, don't sacrifice people in your circles with a really long Facebook post about how this is the greatest thing ever. Because there are some people who are, whether it is right or not, their perception is they are scared, they are concerned. And if you're celebrating, that's going to make it much more difficult for you to have that impactful relationship with them. I'm not saying you can't celebrate. I'm saying be tactful when you do so. I think I'm done with my rant. You can deal with that how you will, Ben. I'm, I'm going to build on something you, you said there. This is a rarity for this podcast, but I think there might be something novel. A rarity? That. We agree. Wait, a rarity that there's something valuable? No, a rarity that terrifying. We can actually build on something here. So you say like this is not something we should be thinking about on a national scale. And I absolutely agree, because what are borders but arbitrary lines on a map? Right? That's poetic or something. Like if abortion is an issue here in the United States. It's an issue worldwide. Uh, I remember watching a, a pretty horrific documentary a couple of years ago about the effect. That's of your one... mistake is watching a documentary. Hey, documentaries are great. Uh, it was a documentary on the one child policy in China and all of the ramifications of that. So we just got our podcast banned in China, by the way, Josh, you're welcome. Um, wasn't a huge concern for me, but <laughs> that's fair. Um, but uh, like, there were 
so many forced abortions and sterilizations and um, just all sorts of abusive practices carried out in, in, the, in the Chinese health system to uphold the one-child policy. And that is as much an issue for us as Christians that happen to live in the United States as it is for the people of China. Because it is sin in the world. And the fact that we have arbitrary borders that say we live in this place called the United States, I think should really mean nothing to us other than it tells us what laws we have to follow or we're supposed to follow so long as they are faithful to God's call to us, right? Yeah. And, and so I think perhaps our problem isn't that we don't think relationally, though I think that is certainly part of it. I think our problem is that we think too nationally and we need to think more globally because our issues aren't endemic to individuals or smaller communities, but they are worldwide problems. And it is, you know, rooted in the worldwide problem of sin. But just affecting change in the here in the United States really isn't that big a victory when we have what three hundred thousand or three hundred million out of almost eight billion. At this point, Josh, what's my math? I have no idea. What percentage of the world population is that? You're the math guy. Is what? Is Christian? No. 330 million out of 8 billion is, lives in the United States. Um... I think I have a decimal misplaced somewhere. 330 million out of 8 billion. Yes. Should be oh, like 3%, right? For 4.12%. Thank you. So this ruling impacts 4% of the world population, and yet we, add, we act like it is a monumental victory. What about the other 96? Well, and I, why do we see, stop I, I think, I think the reason the for that is, is we have a, we have an illusion of control within our national borders. We say, <laughs> well, I can, I can impact this. I can't impact the one child policy in China. It's three now, I think, by the way. I sure. I just finished Ender's Game, so the book, um, where they had a two-child policy. Unless your kids were really smart, then you could have a third, I guess. Um, <laughs> and and you're right to some extent. Uh, not you, the this hypothetical person. You're not impacting China's uh, national policy. You're you're not gonna do it. If Disney can't has to has to accommodate China, th there's no way you're changing how they view things. Okay, you posting a Twitter hashtag is is not gonna change how they view anything. 
Um, sorry to break it to any of the internet warriors out there. Uh, China, as a matter of fact, if they don't like something on the internet, they just make sure they don't see it. Um, and, and one can argue that it's at your control in the United States is at best an illusion. Um, or I shouldn't say at best. Illusory, it's, it's a drop in the bucket, I guess. Um, so I would say, yes, it's good to keep a global awareness. But I think the danger of that, and I think the reason maybe we avoid it, is because it's depressing. Because there is so little you can do and there is so much evil in the world. Which, hopefully, if your pastor's doing what he should, is going to bring is going to drive you back to the gospel and it's going to drive you you see all the sin in the world all the brokenness you come to the conclusion that we can't do anything about it we, we definitely can't do enough about it and we say well thank goodness that christ came and took care of it for us so i think in, in that sense i think having the global perspective can be good but i think it carries with it a lot of the same problems that a national perspective has in that it's distracting your focus from the people around you that you're you're you can have a genuine impact on and who can genuinely impact you so i guess i'm I, coming I, up I'm i think it's up. go ahead i think it's good i i think you're right it is really good to recognize that like these issues are so much bigger than we think especially and, and i think the the reason it's especially good is because it drives us to the gospel it, it it removes the illusion that we can be good enough on our own. But I I don't think we should dwell there. I don't think that's where our, the the lion's share of our time and effort uh, should be. And and that's that's definitely an opinion of mine. A lot of this has been opinions of mine. Um, and you're fr you're obviously you're free to disagree with me. Um, but I think I'm right, so. I, so I will grant you this. I think it is, it is foolish for us to dwell on like world changing things, right? If it's gonna suck up so much of your time that you don't actually do anything, even interpersonally or, or community oriented, it's certainly not a good thing to dwell on. I agree with you there. Um, I think where I was going, I think this is where you kind of came around to at the end was like, if we think we have power when we're able to maybe even have the illusory effect of affecting change in this particular place and time, we need to step back and look at the world and go, hey, there's so much more to this. Do we really have that much power or are we just kind of kidding ourselves and, and playing power games within our little bubble here that is the United States? Yes, the United States is a large place, but it's still a small. It's still a small thing compared to the scope of the world or the universe, um, and so ultimately we have to bow to the one who actually controls all of those things, right? Because um, apart from God, none of this is getting done. Um, and so, if we're gonna bow to God, where does that drive us? Well, yeah, first back to the gospel, first back to our need for Christ. And then two, doing what Christ wants us to do. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything profound to add to that. You know, that, felt, that felt like a wrap-up. I think that's a pretty good wrap-up. Um, I don't know how focused we stayed, but I don't think it was a bad conversation. So uh, Takeaways, Josh? Takeaways. Um, I think my takeaway is just it's got to be the, the soapbox that I jumped on so many times, which I apologize <laughs> for. Um, it's, Should we take away your soapbox? Uh Yes, in in that you should take it away from you from this podcast. Don't take it out from under my feet. I need to write a dissertation on it. So, uh, okay. no, if I'm going to distill it to just like a quick takeaway for for anyone who put up with us this long, it's make sure that your your engagement on a on a national or a global scale doesn't take away from your your impact in the relationships you have. And, and the caveat I wanna add with that is that includes if watching the national news gets you in such a, a mood that you're short and angry with, not literally short, like short is in, as in the emotional word short, you're short and angry with the people around you, you need to cut back on that, right? We're not called to be um, angry, angry people. We're, that's not not in the job description of Christian. Um, but that that would be my is make sure that you you prioritize the relationships with the the family and the friends and and the strangers around you. Um, that's my takeaway. What do you got, Ben? I think my takeaway is. If you're walking away from this time and your first thought and priority is to celebrate, uh, I beg you to prayerfully reconsider and think about the people that you know, the people that you may be related to that might be people within your friend group within your church who hurt, who are scared. These are genuine emotions that they're experiencing. Um, and to celebrate now feels like to rub it in their face. And so our call is to, as it always is, love and serve our neighbors as we love and serve our God. Um, if you want to celebrate faithfully, do that. Yeah. Um, so prayer requests come in from all this. Uh, Pray for those who are who are struggling with this issue. I think a lot of us are probably pretty far removed from it. Um, so pray for those who are who are struggling with it. Um, pray that the Christian witness would be a positive one through the next weeks and months, and um, pray that our impact on the world would be what God needs it to be. Um, and pray that Ben's dog would, would stay calm, I guess. Um, with that, uh, shameless plug time. Uh, 
subscribe to us on whatever your favorite platform is for uh, podcasting. We do have a Facebook page if you're if you're a Facebook person, um, and you're you're welcome to connect. We don't post a lot; it's maybe once or twice a week, mostly just when we have a new episode out. But the advantage of the Facebook page is if you have a topic you want to hear us tackle or if you want to invite yourself on the show, which you are welcome to do, the Facebook page is a really good place for that. You can message the Facebook page and we'll see it. Um, or if, if you know either of us personally, you can reach out to us personally and obviously we'll, we'll deal with you as appropriate. Um, <laughs> and especially, especially with this episode, I wanna highlight, if you, if you wanna have a conversation about something we talk about, if you want to have it live on air, we can schedule a part two. We're happy to do that. But also, if, if you want to, you know, message with us on Facebook, if you want to, if you want to further this conversation, we're we're happy to do that. Um, so please reach out um, either personally or again, you can use that Facebook page. That's really the only reason we have it. Um, and uh, I think that's all the shameless plugs I have. Sounds good to me. Yeah, if if you need a pastor in uh, the Lake Orion area of Michigan, Ben's your guy. Um, if you need handsome, one in LA, go to Josh. If you need one in Eastvale or Ontario, go to Josh. If you need one in LA, reach out to me. I'll hook you up with someone who's much, much closer than I am. <laughs> All right, with that, brothers and sisters on the internet, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.